Hello and welcome to episode two of the Leadership Podcast. So today I've got someone who I've known for, for quite a few years, um, but not massively on a professional um, kind of, in a special uh, perspective. It's been more from kind of a football perspective. So I've got Abby here. Um, hi, Abby. Hi. So we, we, we're good, thank you. Good. So we obviously met through Arsenal many years ago and, yeah. you know, had some mutual friends and probably shared the odd glass of wine or, or <laughs> a beer together and things like that. But then obviously I sort of got to know your industry and I think we, we have seen each other at a few conferences and stuff over the years as well. So it's, yeah. it's kind of been quite, quite, quite good like that. So I know you're obviously, um, you know, doing well in your career and stuff like that. So what is it you're actually doing now and, and what's your title at the moment? Yep. So I'm Director of External Affairs, um, which means that I oversee press, public affairs, um, web design, IT um, and, and events um, for Energy UK, which is a trade association for the energy sector. Perfect. So that's that's obviously, you know, I've worked in external uh, affair departments you know a lot of people will know them as comms communication yep, departments exactly. corporate affairs you know it, it's it's sort of the same many guises but yeah the, the one i had one strangest name was government and corporate affairs because they just wanted to put the government in there yeah a year later they changed it to comms because it was just yep. easier and no one exactly. really understood what it meant no so um yeah so i guess you know first things first i mean where did your sort of career start and then what was your kind of first role and what talk talk me through that kind of career path that's got you to got to got you to where you are now? Yeah, um, well, I actually started off in publishing. Um, so I mean, it's a really fantastic job, kind of you know, straight out of university at, at Penguin Books, um, and working in the publicity department. So you know, you got to work with some fantastic authors, um, and it, that was a really great start um, to a kind of comms career. And I think during that time, I kind of quickly realised that actually the 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 comms part that I really enjoyed was the sort of newsy reactive comms um, as opposed to some of the you know proactive features based stuff which I still love but I kind of thrived on that sort of newsy reactive um, work so I went from Penguin into the civil service and worked in a, a number of um, different departments in, um, in across the civil service so Department of Health, Transport, um, DEFRA and um, kind of really cut my teeth in terms of um, crisis comms, working on the foot and mouth outbreak. So, you know, that was a, a hugely challenging period, but for someone in comms, you know, that kind of clarity of delivering a message and the importance of communicating clearly with the public, as I'm sure many communi communicators in government are finding now with coronavirus, you know, is really crucial. Um, so I sort of went from there um, into to Downing Street and, and worked there for about um, four and a half years um, in, in a civil service post um, in strategic comms and also in, in the press team. Um, so again, that kind of really fast paced reactive comms, which, which was great fun. Um, and actually went from there to the consumer group, which... Um, and they were really sort of building their brand as a kind of real consumer champion and a campaigning organisation. So working on a huge variety of issues from sort of PPI to broadband and, and energy, um, which took me through to, to my role now at Energy UK. Wow, cool. OK, so we'll talk a little bit more about that sort of a little bit later, perhaps. But obviously we are in the pan 
pandemic, the last nine months or so, whatever it is, it's all just yeah. rolled into month exactly. after month, Big week learn. after week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, how's it impacted on your work, but also on your kind of like, you know, personal life as well, you know, your family yeah. life? Yeah. I think, to be honest, I've been incredibly lucky. I mean, the, the pandemic has been, you know, a truly terrible time for a lot of people, whether that's from a financial or, or health perspective. So I'm you know, incredibly lucky that I've not been as impacted as, as some people really have um, over the past few months. Um, for, for me personally, you know, it's been, you know, like many thousands and thousands of people that juggling work, work and home. Um, I have a five-year-old daughter um, who is homeschooling at a time when, on the work front, I got incredibly busy. So for the energy industry, we moved straight into a sort of crisis response. It was all about keeping the lights on and protecting vulnerable customers. So juggling that sort of, you know, really busy time at work with um, a five-year-old in the house was, was a challenge. And, you know, like I'm by no means unique in that circumstance, but, you know, the the days are long. And I think also it's, it's finding that downtime, you know, because I think like a lot of working parents, you sort of do a second shift when, children have gone to bed so you don't really get that sort of break um those breaks are few and far between and I think you know I know we're going to come on to sort of uh, motivating teams and resilience yeah. and, and mental health but I think that's one of the real challenges as this goes on and we are however many eight nine months into this that keeping up the levels of enthusiasm and and positivity you know when you've been in this kind of situation for, for so long now yeah I mean, let's, let's sort of go into that now because I think I I've we, where I mean, so I'm obviously in a similar industry. If you think about it, water, yeah. same sort yeah, of thing. We went, yeah, yeah, we went into the same kind of um, crisis management. You know, in terms of keeping things going, key worker yeah. status, vulnerable customers, yes. and and we, we do a, an internal podcast as well that I kind okay. of co-host with a few colleagues internally, where we've talked to probably all of our exec members, senior leaders, mm-hmm. including CEO, chairman, um, and and everyone felt that that it was kind of like work took over their life. March, yeah. April, May, it was like they couldn't think about anything else. And those who had families did struggle a bit because it was just like, this is this is really tough. Um, yeah. But but yeah, so you, you've got that work side of it, but then you've also got that whole people management side, making yeah. sure people are okay, caring for yeah. people, mental health. How hard was it to balance that? Because you've got your own family to, 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 to support as well. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we're, we're really lucky at Energy UK, we had a really clear focus on internal comms and, and well-being right, right from the outset, because, you know, we knew that this was going to be a kind of a, a, an ongoing long situation. So kind of really investing in everyone's kind of mental health and well-being was important right from the start. But it is a it's a massive challenge. And I think, you know, you need to it's, it's different for different people as well. So, you know, people might feel OK at the beginning, then have a dip or it might hit them really hard at, at the beginning and then they kind of get OK with things. And I think, you know, really listening to the team is is the is the main thing. And whether that's on a kind of one to one basis and, and picking up the phone to someone or team meetings, whole organisation, you know, getting together. Um, but also, you know, everyone kind of rolls their eyes at the thought of like staff surveys and things like that. But actually yeah. really list- asking people, what do they need? How are they feeling? Because, you know, different people within the organisation feel different things and at different times. And this situation has been moving so fast as well. I mean, we were lucky we sort of started opening up um, our offices in, in August and September um, for people who kind of felt from a well-being perspective they needed that space. And so, you know, that was really difficult to then kind of go back when we had to close the office. So 
you know, flexing our plans as well to kind of think, right, okay, well, what, what do we need to do now as, you know, the, the days are getting shorter, it's darker. Mm-hmm. And when people leave the office, it's, it's you know, well, their office at home, you know, when they finish their day, it's dark. So, you know, we did things like introducing a, a kind of a block out in the middle of yeah. the day so that we don't have any internal meetings so that people can you know get outside and get some daylight. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, really listening to your team and, and what you can do. But I think you know, I'm probably the worst person in terms of how to manage things. I think I've been in complete denial about working from home. I only actually got a, a desk and a, a new keyboard within the last kind of month oh, wow. or so. So, yeah, I was really uh, like, no, this is a temporary situation. I don't need uh, a, a desk at home. Uh, um, but yeah, it was, same, it was the same for me, actually. I, I started the first week or two, I was just working on my bed because it was like, yeah. I don't really need to. Yeah, because I, I used to do a day from home uh, a week and I would sit on the dining table or somewhere like that then. But this because it was every day I couldn't sit on the. Yeah. And then I did bring a table, which I've still got, um, but <laughs> I just had a dining room chair and. It was like, well, oh, this actually a couple of weeks in. It was like, actually, this is quite painful. Um, yeah. But yeah. but thankfully, our, our our company sent us chairs and keyboards, mouses, yeah. um, laptop risers, and stuff like that. So it's kind of helped. And I, I bought myself a bit of a tray, so I can actually I've got a standing desk now as well, which is really nice. Oh, I can yeah, stand up really for a few hours a day. So they're they're really useful as well. You can get them really cheaply off Amazon for anyone mm-hmm. listening who's thinking. <laughs> um, but um, I mean, yeah. So so I mean part of that then goes into the overall kind of leadership and stuff like that so pandemic or no pandemic you know when you are uh, 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 leading a department you are a leader you are who people sort of look up to potentially but I mean a very open-ended question and it's kind of like you know I think of the audience that might be listening to this they, they might be some might be senior leaders middle management some might be leaders in their own home some might be you know, they're captain of their five-a-side football team, potentially. Yeah. So it doesn't, but very open-ended question. What does leadership actually mean to you? Yeah, that is an <laughs> open question. And as you say, you know, it's kind of a, a good leader probably has the same kind of qualities or the building blocks of what makes a good leader, you know, depending on whatever field, whether it's, you know, the prime minister or someone, as you yeah. say, leading their, their five-a-side local team. Um, so, I don't know, so... Leadership is obviously so much more than than management. Um, And I think for me, leadership is almost like that sort of magic fairy dust that, you know, that some people seem to exude, um, that they inspire you. And you kind of think, well, how how are they doing that? And it's that kind of, they are, they're they're genuinely kind of quite transparent and open. Um, They're they're usually kind of great communicators or quite decisive. So you're kind of, you understand the the bigger strategy and how you fit into the big, the bigger picture. Um, There's definitely um, a a piece there about integrity as well. Um, So there's someone you can sort of look up to that they inspire you. They take people with them if it's in an organization in in good times and, and bad. Um, and and I think also enable the other people to, to achieve their potential, to give them the, the tools and the encouragement to, to really achieve their, their full potential. So um, I think there, there are definitely some, some core building blocks. And actually, um, Britain Thinks released some really interesting research actually only last month about what are those qualities that make an effective leader. And this is kind of post-coronavirus. Um, and, and, you know, the, no surprise, you know, being a great communicator was in there, um, wow. being quite decisive um, and also having integrity. But one of the things that kind of really came out through the, the coronavirus crisis was also having this sense of empathy. 
um, which is, is kind of, it's probably always been there, but it kind of has definitely been brought out by, by the, the coronavirus pandemic. And people just, you know, it's whether it's a, a chief executive or a political leader, but, you know, those that sort of fared well in the public's mind were also those that had, were seen to either care for their customers or, or their teams, their staff. Um, so that's a, a kind of new element to probably what makes a, a good leader in kind of current climate. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've had these sort of question debates or, or not debates, but conversations, I guess, with, with quite a lot of people in the last few weeks about leadership. As mm -hmm. I was sort of before I started to do this series of podcasts, I did talk to some kind of people that I've, I've worked with and, and things like that. And I think that the, the communicate a bit was was came up in every single mm -hmm. discussion that they need to yeah. be able to a leader has to communicate their ideas and actually take people on that journey, because if you can't, then you know, you, it won't work. And, and yeah. I know I'm using this example just because you'll relate to it being an Arsenal fan, but, you know, the previous manager, Unai Emery, I'm sure was a great manager, but he couldn't communicate his ideas mm -hmm. and then people weren't really on that journey. Um, yeah. So it, it, it is interesting. I think also for me, it's also a leader that kind of leads by example. Yeah, so, definitely. I mean, my, my next question to you is going to be kind of, is there any leaders from, you know, your career that you just straight away think about that oh they were just a great leader but also kind of why also was there anyone and obviously don't name names but mm -hmm. was there anyone who's maybe not a good leader because I've had a few of those I've had a few leaders that I think god you're leading our department but you're, <laughs> like, you're not you don't quite lead by example or you disappear at the the high pressure points and it's just like yeah you're everything I don't want to be but then I've had some <laughs> yeah. who are just brilliant who I think wow you're actually you inspire me I'll I will run through that brick wall for you because actually yeah, yeah, I think yeah, you're yeah. doing the same. So is yeah. there any examples yeah. kind of from your... Yeah, definitely. And I think your your point there about communication is, is really important. And it's not about um, communicating in a set way either. I think it's about it's that authenticity and being genuine. So, you know, it's not about having a kind of stereotype leader mm. that will communicate in a very kind of particular way, although as comms professionals I'm sure there are lots of tips that we would yeah. want to give um, leaders <laughs> but I think it is about being really um, authentic um, and when I think about I guess leaders who inspire me um, and I'll probably only mention female leaders because I think male leaders get enough airtime off their right. own um, but whether you're thinking about people on on a huge kind of global scale of sort of like your Jacinda Ardern or Michelle Obama or you know or peers in in my own field of communications who are really effective leaders it, it they they all have a kind of certain amount of, of really core qualities and you know it is having that um authenticity and integrity being great communicators um they got stuff done you know they, they were kind of clear about and you know they really managed to, to get things done or had a passion that that kind of just was infectious that you kind of you know you really wanted to to kind of follow um, and, and that's the same for, you know, as you say, people on, on the world stage or people like, I'm thinking of examples, so B.B. Hilton, who is uh, president of Women in PR, or Elizabeth Benanuka, who has set up um, BME PR Pros. You know, they've both got that, that they've got that clear vision and passion and, and kind of just take people with them and inspire people. So I think that's what, you know, an effective and inspiring leader it looks like to me. Um, and in terms of, yeah, the sort of throughout my career encountering bad leaders, which unfortunately probably everyone um, does at some stage, I guess thinking back, um, you know, obviously without naming names, when I found it quite frustrating, I'm quite a 
a kind of doer. So I like to be like, okay, what's our strategy? What's the objectives? And then it's kind of like, I work my teams to, yeah. okay, so we need to do this across these, these areas. And then we kind of go and deliver. Um, so when I've found it frustrating um, is when you've not had that vision or, or strategy. So, you know, if you have a leader and it might be through no fault of their own, yeah. um, but if you haven't got that kind of top level kind of mission or strategy, I think it's really hard because you can often feel like you're not going in a particular direction. Yeah. Uh, you started that answer with something interesting and you said you're going to focus on female leaders because you think male leaders get get kind of, more airtime and actually that was going to be one of my last kind of questions because I'm you know at a company where we've just um we've, uh, we've had a new CEO start it's a female yeah. um my kind of exec member is female as well um so that you know there are a lot of females in my kind of mm-hmm. industry um but I have been in male dominated kind of companies as well do you think females get the kind of platform to actually go into those senior management senior leadership roles or do you think actually they have to work so much harder and actually the path is is not quite clear cut and because they are female they don't always get those opportunities yeah I think you know you're you're absolutely right it's it's definitely getting better you know and there's a a lot of um positive signs that things are um equaling out but you know and it's it's not unique to to women either you know at Energy UK we're doing a lot at the moment um in terms of ethnic diversity as well. And we've just launched a um, diversity and energy speakers directory, which is actually about giving more visibility and voice to experts in, in the sector from BAME backgrounds, because you know they just they just weren't getting the same kind of exposure, yeah. whether it was at conferences or in, in media and events and things like that. So it's it's definitely a broader issue than, than just gender. Um, but yeah, we, we are seeing seeing progress. And I think, you know, the more we have visible leaders um, that people can aspire to, the more that will continue to build. Um, but I think there is still a lot of barriers, whether that is for women or, or from people from from BAME backgrounds yeah. that are that, that still absolutely exist. And I think, you know, a, a lot of organisations are now um, getting on board with it. Um, I feel like I spend when I when I because I do quite a lot on diversity and inclusion. I spend a lot more time now talking about the practicalities of what organisations need to do rather than the why. So hopefully the why has kind of yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. you know, but not always. Um, but you know, I think there there is kind of no excuse for for people getting this wrong anymore. And I think you know you do have a generation coming through that choose. You know, they, they're choosing actively choosing the organizations they, they want to work based on places that reflect their, their values um so if a company is is not representative of a, a broader range of people then you know they're, they're not going to want to work there and that's a kind of a whole talent pool that organizations are going to find themselves not being able to appeal to so um it, it is a kind of pressing issue that i think organizations really need to to get ahead on yeah, I just my kind of final question actually was on values, and you've you've actually mentioned it, so it's a good segue. Mm. But you know, values. I, I've worked for five or six really big companies, um, and every single company have had values. Mm-hmm. Um, but some you feel potentially they've got them, but they don't ever really mm-hmm. refer to them, or they're just they're there because yeah. it had to be. They might be up on the wall or, or yeah, on your branding, exactly. but that's it. Yeah. That's it. How, how do you, how does a, a business firstly have values? And I guess mm-hmm. how should they develop values? But then how do they actually 
make sure those values do come out in in their people from senior leaders to people that yeah. are just from their grad scheme you know for example yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really important thing, you know, because as you say, on, on paper, every organisation has got the values, you know, there it is in the annual report, or maybe yeah. it's in the, in the branding. Um, but if you ask members of the staff, um, you know, what, what they are, would they know? Um, I think from, from Energy UK, we've done quite a bit on this, and we've kind of revisited it recently. And I think that's another thing is, is that you need to kind of constantly re- revisit your values. Yeah. And also, you know, they need to be um, developed with the team they can't be imposed on the top and these are our values you know <laughs> because people are that doesn't reflect us that's not who we are and so we had a great session at uh, all staff day recently where we kind of looked at them and, and just tested them with people does this reflect who we are is there anything we're missing and a few really important insights came from that session actually um so there's that piece about collaborating to actually establish them in the first place and then when you've got them it's about properly embedding them and and bringing them to life so embedding them all the way through the organization so from your recruitment is it you know do you talk about it in your interviews is it in your recruitment ads you know is it visible on on your website is it in your appraisals or is there reward and recognition ongoing with the team do you talk about it in your all staff meetings do you I mean, we have a, a sort of weekly email, which is slightly sort of tongue in cheek, but a kind of fun look at the stuff that's gone on this week. Yeah. But we also have the categories as our values. So against those. So it's just like regularly talking about them. You also need your senior team to kind of embody them as well, which is your point about kind of leading by example. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think there's also a really nice piece, you know, as, as communicators, we know the, the positive benefits of storytelling. So how do you actually show people that are living living the values and yeah. kind of whether you've got a, your intranet or, you know, Slack or however you're communicating internally, do you highlight, you know, examples of where people are living the values and are you calling it out when people aren't? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's really interesting. I was just, yeah, when, whenever people talk to me, I always think about how are we doing it in our place? And I guess, yeah, we, we, we do things like that on Yammer and things like that, which, yeah. are, which, are, which are quite interesting. Um, my, my, my final question, I guess, is it's kind of going back to that sort of pandemic. So we've done a bit of a, a, a full mm-hmm. circle round, but obviously at the moment, there's not much face-to-face time. Um, I know you said there are some people back in the office and, and stuff like that, but generally there yeah. aren't face-to-face time. You talked about an all-staff conference. We are... <laughs> miles away from that kind of situation going on again how are you kind of handling kind of those sort of bigger um you know team meetings or, or all all department calls yeah. and stuff like that how have they been because it's all virtual and are there yeah. any tips for people that are maybe struggling with those um that I you've kind of got it is really hard isn't it because you know how do you kind of maintain that feeling of, of being a team when you are all individuals you know you're, you're kind of scattered all over the country and you know from our, our perspective we have people working you know overseas um so it was it, it's a it's a massive challenge and I think probably um you know there are you, you kind of need a bit of creativity as well in terms of how you're communicating with the team so you know everyone is emailed out zoomed out you know let's try and what else can we do beyond that um, and actually things like, I mean, we did some really nice things like um, sending out postcards. So right in the middle of the pandemic, when everyone was absolutely flat out busy and kind of struggling with the whole situation, coming to terms with how we were working, a postcard in, in that came through, which just had thank you on. And on the other side kind of said, you know, thanks for all your hard work. Um, and, you know, we'll all be back together soon. And kind of, and a photo of us all to get the, a team photo. And it was kind of like, 
that you know and it was really well received because it was kind of that feeling of yeah we are all kind of in it together and that is a cliche but it it absolutely was spot on mm. for how we all needed to what we needed to hear um, and kind of getting things in the place is nice having calls as well rather than just team meetings so people can kind of get away from their machine yeah. and, and and walk about that was a kind of re revelation again to me within the last month is that like let's have a call and so we can both go for a walk yeah um and i think yeah it's it, any kind of hints tips and ad advice actually having that we had an all-staff day and I think we were all sort of thinking like kind of dreading it before thinking like we all spend too much time in the computer the last thing we want is a full day but being really creative about it so it wasn't a full day it was broken up into little chunks there was kind of you know nice fun elements about being cringy but you know there were so there were there were well-being elements in there um and also the other really important thing through all of this was um, finding time for people to get together without an agenda. So we were kind of touching base, but it was only when we had a meeting or there was something yeah. to discuss. But actually, so we have these um, like virtual cuppers in our diary, which every we day is just a, a time. And it's just really nice because otherwise there are people, unless you work with them closely, which can often be the case in an organisation, you might not have seen or spoken to someone for eight months. Yeah. So, you know, when you're not busy and you can drop into these little sessions, it's lovely because that's when you get that kind of, you pick up the kind of conversations you would have had in the kitchen. Yeah. And also that's when you also learn about other stuff that's going on in an organisation yeah. that, you know, you might be missing out on in, in you know, this kind of virtual working. So mm. that's been really positive too. Yeah, we've done exactly most of those. I love that postcard idea, by the way. We, we also introduced, and this was something actually was one of my ideas, but we, we introduced something called a topical chat. And we have that every month yeah. within our team, which, nice. I, which I lead on. And we pick one or two things. So we talked about lockdown and, and, and COVID initially. We talked about Black Lives Matter second time yeah. round. We talked about, I think, politics third time round. Because those are the things we'll be talking about if we were in the office. Yeah, and the fact exactly. that we're not, we felt yeah. a bit we should be this is weird that we're not talking about it yeah, yeah. um so yeah, yeah. No, it's really interesting stuff and actually you just kind of you, you obviously before this you emailed me yesterday to say is it cameras on or is it cameras <laughs> off which is a, a perfectly reasonable question um but it was actually something I learned that from my first series of this we I was doing them as kind of live events on Facebook mostly yeah. and YouTube and it was really good, you know, we we're getting really good engagement, especially for the few well-known people. We were getting some really good engagement. Yeah. But then the feedback I was getting was people are pretty zoomed out or teams down, and so am I. Yeah. Um, yeah. So actually, like, doing it as a podcast means majority of people will probably listen to this while they're yeah. walking, running, exactly. doing stuff. But there'll be some, yeah, but there'll be some people who maybe don't work in corporate jobs and actually maybe yeah. are out there. So actually, it works for them because they want a bit of, video interaction so yeah it's kind of like yeah it's I guess it's it's different for everyone but I just think yeah the, the more different ways of communicating you have the different methods different channels I think it it, it works yeah. doesn't it yeah but, yeah and but, the, yeah. you know the thing in the post getting something through the post there's something really nice, nice. about that actually yeah. we've kind of and also like so we had a, a, a huge uh, annual conference which is a, a, a massive um, piece of work for everyone it's the first time we kind of delivered a, a kind of virtual event on that yeah. scale and I kind of just did some like handwritten thank you notes afterwards and people kind of said oh, it's really nice to get something in the in the post you know so I think thinking about that as well um you know, which I'm kind of racking my brains about at the moment because I'm thinking about how I do my end of year kind of um, yeah. team session and how you can make that a little bit more 
engaging for people after a very long year the other thing i I really loved was i our social media supplier and i can name them coros because it's a it's Mm -hmm. a positive thing they were formerly known as um as lithium for the coros Mm -hmm. now they did their kind of cx customer experience conference um virtually for the first time but they sent all their attendees a 20 pound or 20 dollars depending on where you were the equivalent was uber eats voucher which was really nice because they would obviously provide lunch normally and i thought that was lovely because that actually meant i I treated myself that day to a lovely like you know burger and chips that i could just get and it was was, yeah it was really good the little touches kind of make a a massive difference yeah We, we did a similar thing with our conference there was a voucher for a kind of like ethical coffee brand right. so people, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. we normally have a coffee so all, yeah. you, i've seen some conferences recently i think cipr sent all delegates a kind of nice little pack in it in nice. so yeah there, yeah there are some nice there touches, are ways but, to I mean, do it I suppose I was just going to say, obviously, you know, there, there is the kind of backdrop of, of budgets being severely constrained yeah. as well, you know, and a lot of people kind of having to cut absolutely everything. But I think, you know, as, as we've discussed today, there are lots of things that people can do as well, which don't necessarily have a, a budget attached to it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's yeah, that that's key. I think there's there's one thing with <laughs> there's lots of businesses struggling out there. So, that, yeah, yeah it's, it's a delicate balance. Yeah. But. On that note, Abby, I think I'm going to let you go um, because we are filming this at lunchtime. So I think it is important <laughs> to block your diary and get exactly. out for a bit. Take a break. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So I'd like to thank you and Brilliant. I guess wish you wish you good luck for the rest of your long career that you've got. But hopefully <laughs> the pandemic only lasts, you know, a few more months and the vaccine and stuff come out and we can get back to some kind of exactly normal life hopefully but be back at the emirates next season maybe be back at the Emirates. Oh, i can't <laughs> i can't wait i'm so for anyone it was a long way off doesn't it yeah and we'll most people most people who have had calls with me know i've got arsenal stuff all around me, but <laughs> obviously those listening can you know you can describe how much there is around me and i <laughs> oh i miss that but hey we'll be back we'll get we'll there hmm. Cheers, Abby. take care